This morning I received an incredibly cheesy Valentine's Day card from my beloved and fastened to the front of the card was a badge that says totally loved and he said I don't expect you to wear it for church this morning and I said well actually I will because that is exactly what we are by God we are totally loved by him and it's what I'm speaking on but here's the thing do you know do you believe that you are loved chosen and called by God However unworthy your part, however unworthy you may feel, however dubious your past or uncertain your present, God wants you to know one thing. He loves you totally and completely. He doesn't love you less than anyone else. He doesn't love you more than anyone else. He loves each one of us equally with his limitless, boundless love. We don't deserve it, we cannot earn it, but thanks be to God who pours out grace without measure to everyone who is willing to accept it. And oh, the inexpressible joy when we do. And this is Paul's testimony. More than anyone, Paul knew he didn't deserve God's love. In chapter 3, verse 8, he describes himself as being less than the least of all the Lord's people. And Paul isn't indulging in false humility. Paul knows how far he has come. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says this, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. That's pretty crunchy, isn't it? a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. In other words, Paul's saying, if I can be saved, how much more can you? If I can be a recipient of God's love, how much more can you? If God can use me, How much more can God use you? My life demonstrates that God's grace and God's patience are without limit. And Paul could speak about grace with such authority because he had experienced it. Grace transformed Paul from persecutor to champion. Once Paul had been hell-bent on destroying the church, now his only focus was to build up the church and equip it. He would let nothing stop him. Even prison couldn't stop him. For Paul, who once dragged Christians into jail, was now himself a captive. Ephesians 3 verse 1, I am the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Paul's missionary activities had got him into trouble from both the Jewish and the secular authorities. But Paul knew he was under a higher authority, the authority of God. He remained in prison, but only because God permitted it. And Paul trusted God to use this time for his purposes. Moreover, in a deep spiritual sense, Paul had indeed been taken captive by Jesus. He'd been taken captive by Jesus' love. He'd been taken captive 
by Jesus' grace. But Paul also knew that prison couldn't separate him from God's love. In verse 12, he says, In him and through him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I love the fact that Paul writes about freedom to draw close to God from within a prison cell. Perhaps we should remember this when we get frustrated by the constraints of COVID. We're still free to approach the throne room of God. Nothing can separate us from his love. And God can use our circumstances right now to draw people to him. So instead of allowing this captivity to drag us down, let's see it as an advantage. And Paul certainly turned this situation to an advantage. He used it as an opportunity to preach to his captors. He used it as an opportunity to preach to the authorities. He used it as an opportunity to write his famous letters, which have reached a far wider audience than he ever could have imagined. So Paul is able to do far more through us than we can ever imagine, even at this present time. Moreover, as Paul reflects on all that Jesus has done for him, he cannot help but overflow with joy for the honour that Jesus has given him by revealing the mystery of God's will and entrusting to him the task of preaching to the Gentiles. I'm really challenged by Paul. I remember my own excitement when I first became a Christian. I couldn't stop talking about it. I talked to anyone and to everyone. To be fair, it probably was a bit too much. And my parents thought that I had joined a cult. They even sent me off to be checked out by the local vicar. Fortunately, he reassured them that my enthusiasm was okay. He was only sad that someone else had brought me to faith rather than him. But 50 years on, am I still as excited about Jesus' gift of grace? Am I still just as passionate about sharing the gospel? Paul clearly felt honoured that God had asked him to bear witness to the Gentiles For Paul, it was a privilege to serve and to suffer for the gospel. But do we fully appreciate just how honoured we are to follow and serve Jesus? Even in this time of COVID, perhaps especially in this time of COVID, I believe God wants to reinvigorate our passion for him. He's calling us back to that first love that we had for him. He wants to give us new opportunities to reach out to others. And if you want an example, listen to the live stream last week and listen to Chrissy Fuller's testimony. God wants to reignite our excitement at what he can do, not just for us, but through us. Each of us has a unique story to share and a unique set of connections. Maybe offer to pray for someone and spark a conversation. As a Jew, Paul had all the right credentials of birth and education. He was passionate about the law, but Paul was blind to the truth that Jesus was God's son, his Messiah and saviour. 
And all that changed when Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Road. At last, Paul understood the truth. His spiritual eyes were opened. And this encounter defined Paul's ministry. In Acts chapter 26, Paul uses it in his defense against King Agrippa. I saw a light brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions, which made me think no wonder Paul was temporarily blinded. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice. You see, if we throw theology at people, it can be a bit too much. But when we tell them our story, that will engage them and that will reach them because somehow it sounds that it's a normal thing for God to speak to you. We all have different stories to tell. Not all of them are dramatic, certainly as dramatic as Paul's story, but all of them are valid. I think sometimes people feel my story isn't worth anything because it's not very dramatic. It's your story of God in your life. All that matters is that your story points to Jesus. No one could dispute the complete change in Paul's lifestyle and behavior, and this too became part of his testimony. So I just wonder, does our lifestyle match our story? Because people will watch us. We are a living story. They will watch us if not more than they listen to us. And maybe this is something that God wants to challenge us with today. Is there a disconnect between what we profess to believe and the way we behave? As well as revealing himself to Paul, Jesus unveiled God's mission to the Gentiles. Paul describes this as a mystery of revelation in Ephesians 3. You see, hints of God's plan had been scattered throughout the scriptures that Paul loved, but only now does God make his purposes plain. And God did this by sending a man called Ananias, whose name rather appropriately means the Lord is gracious, to commission Paul. And the full story is in Acts 9, and I really encourage you to read it. God told Ananias to go to Paul and lay hands on him. Ananias' reply was something along the lines of, you've just got to be joking. He knew exactly what kind of man Paul was and he didn't want to go anywhere near him. But God insisted, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Here's the thing, Paul was God's chosen instrument, but so was Ananias. God chose Ananias to minister God's grace to Paul, to lay hands on Paul so that he might receive the Holy Spirit and be healed from his blindness. Ananias was just as much God's chosen instrument as Paul. And my point is this, if we are followers of Jesus, we are all God's chosen instruments. We're all chosen to be witnesses of the truth as well as bearers of God's grace and healing to those around us. But the problem is we don't always believe this. But God believes in us. 
Now, our first instinct might be to say no, like Ananias. But look what happened when Ananias said yes. We need to learn to trust God and to follow him rather than following our fears. We need to learn to trust God and follow him rather than following our fears. Because it wasn't just Paul's life that changed that day. Ananias was changed too. And what a story he now had to tell. How God had used him to visit someone who had murdered people and incarcerated them in prison and done all manner of terrible things. And God had chosen Ananias to go and minister to him in the name of Jesus. God's revelation to Paul was radical. For thousands of years, the Jews believed that they alone were God's chosen people, and now Paul was preaching otherwise. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, this wasn't a last-minute change of plan. God intended this from the beginning. But the time had now come for the Gentiles to be grafted in, to become sons and daughters of God. And remember, this term Gentile includes us. Anyone who isn't a Jew is a Gentile. We are now adopted into God's family. We are now joint heirs of all of God's promises. All of God's gifts are available to us. Gifts of peace and grace love and joy, forgiveness and hope, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and above all, the gift of eternal life. We have access to all the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, this word unsearchable, Paul doesn't mean by this that we cannot find them. He means that however much we explore the riches of Jesus, we will never come to the end of them. But the reality is most of us stay on the edge of all that Jesus offers us. Very few of us push deeper into all that God has for us. And frankly, however hard we may have pushed so far, there's so much more that we haven't touched yet. God's abundance never comes to an end. Moreover, there is more than plenty for everyone. We have had to deal with three house clearances following family bereavements. It occasionally got tricky when we all wanted the same painting or piece of furniture. Fortunately, we came up with a system to make sure that everything was shared out equally and no one missed out. But it sometimes meant we had to compromise we had to let another member of the family have something they wanted so that they would let us have something we wanted. But this kind of compromise does not exist in God's kingdom. It isn't necessary because all of God's resources are available for everyone. If we receive a particular gift, it doesn't mean that someone somewhere else is going to miss out. The reverse is true. God's gifts are given to bless us for the benefit of those around us. 
And so as we use our gifts to bless others, the blessing just increases. It's always a win-win. So don't despair. No matter your past history of failure or your present circumstances, God's grace and forgiveness are available to you. And as he used Paul, he can use you. You are loved, chosen, and called by God. And you may approach him anytime, anywhere, with freedom and confidence. Amen.